Welcome into the program. 2024 is upon us. Chris Alberta sitting in for Paul W. while he has one last week of respite. But here we are in a brand new year, and we're going to have a phenomenal show today. Dave Rieger, Happy New Year to you, pal. Happy New Year, Chris. How are Parker you? on the board for us filling in for Danielle, which is going to be terrific. Uh, hopefully, you know, he won't let the rookie over here mess anything up. But we have quite a bit to do today. It should be a good time. I think we could start off. I think it'd be fitting to start off with one simple question. What's your resolution, buddy? Did you come up with anything? I don't do resolutions. Oh, so never you know, mind. I don't do resolutions because I feel that, uh, you know, you just you never really they, they might last a week or two and then you kind of go back on them. So I just decided that, nah, don't, no use to even try. It's very much a know thyself things. You just know you're going to fail. Exactly. So I, just, I, would, I, I wouldn't say fail. I would say uh, just go back on the, the resolution. I, I don't consider it a failure. I will tell you mine is to just to be more patient in general. Okay. But I also have five children, and I, and I, I did right. fill a video, and I, I, I'm in my office nonstop. So I can be more patient. Just take a breath, you know? Which was hard for me to do, by the way, the other night when the Lions won a football game only to 35, 40 seconds later have it called off. That was a pretty heartbreaking thing. We were jumping off the couch, yelling and screaming. I was so excited. That was a game that I had looked forward to for two, three weeks. I don't know what it is about the Cowboys, the history of the wacky calls and a little bit of uh, my competitive spirit, I guess, really got going for that one. And look, our listeners are not talk radio people when it comes to sports. I mean, everybody who's really deep into the Lions fandom has been up and down this ladder a bunch of times. But Dave, what's your take on it? What's the what's the 10 second, 15 second Cliff Notes version? Did I would they win the game? I would say that they uh, unfortunately they did not win the game, but I guess they won the game. I guess I if if I was to put a blame, I would put a blame on both the officiating and I would put partial blame on Coach Campbell because once yes. the once the call was messed up, why are you going for two from the seven yard line? Kick the extra point and go to overtime. Campbell's a known commodity now, right? And we've we've enjoyed this resurgence from our our Detroit Lions. It's sure. fun. It's great. We're in the playoffs. We right. won the division for the first time in eons. Mm-hmm. But sure. look, sometimes. This overaggressive thing becomes purely emotional, at least it seems, rather than calculated. And right. he was doing a lot of these things when these guys were three and thirteen and one and six, and they were a squad on the way up. He's trying to instill some confidence and kind of a take no prisoners approach. What could you know, what's the worst that can happen when we lose a game? They were expected to lose games anyway. Now they're expected to win games. And I wish that Campbell's mindset sometimes more was had more faith in his defense because that game he could have kicked that field goal at the end of the first half after the fake punt they right. been up a few points Correct. right it's, he could have certainly kicked the point after after the first failed attempt with the you know the nonsense at the end right but it is what it is they had plenty of chances to win that game and they got a couple lucky breaks too fumbled through the end zone so on and so forth tell me about your your michigan wolverines that you cover so closely they won a big one great, last night great win great win yesterday um it was uh incredible i Another game that probably did not need to come down to Michigan coming back to, at the end to yeah. uh, to force it to overtime because they dominated Alabama in the first half. And uh, what what killed Michigan was their special teams. I mean, how many, what did they have? Uh, two muffed punts, a botched extra point, a missed field goal, which was a high snap, which I felt took the uh, the kicker off his timing. 
So right. they, it, but they, uh, they found a way, and uh, a week from uh, t- a week from yesterday, they'll be playing for the national championship against Washington, and they need to just they need to sure up some of those special teams things, and uh, I think they should be fine because they they were dominant. Their defense was dominant yesterday. Look, really cool couple of weeks coming up from a sports standpoint, and if nothing else, that gets to take our mind off the political nonsense, the national news, so and so forth. Sure, 100%. Right? Wolverines are going to play for national championship. The Lions are going to play against Minnesota, and then the very next week, they're going to very likely host the uh, the Los Angeles Rams. And that is, I mean, that storyline right there is just insane to think, you what? to think Matthew Stafford comes back to Ford Field. Uh, to play him in a playoff game. Oh my Finger, no, man. I don't want to get into flat earthy type stuff, but I've watched a handful of these kind of uh, carousel documentaries about how the NFL is totally scripted and rigged, which I don't believe. But when you look at some of these circumstances, is there a better story for the first round of the playoffs than Matt Stafford coming back to the team that traded him away? No. Jared playing no. against the team that booted him out the door? No. Good grief. I mean, that that's the kind of evidence where you look at it and go, eh. Maybe there is something a little to that. Hey, yeah. listen, let's talk about the rest of this show. At the, at the turn of the break, we're going to have Jared Halpern on. He's going to talk us through a little bit about what's happening with former President Donald Trump. More and more states now are jumping on this quick bandwagon to try and keep him off the ballot. Where does that stand? But really interesting story about Epstein. Now, these Epstein files are going to come out. You and I talked about this the week before Christmas. Does everyone have a right to know? who was involved with Jeffrey Epstein, whether it was personal or professional or both. When that list comes out, there's expected to be some bombshellish type names on it. You know, uh, I think that everybody does have the right to know, but I also think it has a little bit of the, you remember back in the day, the Geraldo Rivera um, Al Capone vault. Remember that? Yeah, vaguely. Okay, so there was like this big hoopla about, oh my God, we're gonna find some really uh, cool yeah. things, and then it was there was like a two liter of like Pepsi or something that was in there. It was like it was empty. It was so I I I don't I'm not getting too excited about these bombshell names that are going to be on the list, but I do agree with you that everybody does need to know. Yeah. So this is the interesting thing here is if you when the names that are getting teased, Bill Clinton is the number one name getting teased. Yeah, I saw that. And I think that, you know, the irony of that, of course, is, you know, he was a bit of a creep anyway with the Monica Lewinsky scandal. Obviously, he and his his darling wife, Hillary, had a very speckled history when it came to, let's say, uh, financial transparency. I mean, they they're borderline billionaires at this point, And you kind of wonder how like you guys have been public servants for forever and ever and ever. But they largely have faded away, especially Bill. What does it matter at this point? Are you just a creep because you were friends with a creep? Or is there something more incriminating? And I, I guess we'll ask Jeff Manasso that to a degree. Is there anybody that has any liability at this point when this report comes out? If it if it truly has some bombshell names on it, what does it matter? Do we just know they're extra creepy now? I don't know. Yeah, I mean, like I said, uh, I'm not uh, necessarily too surprised uh, that Bill Clinton's name could be on the list. Uh, and like I said, I don't know if I'm going to be real surprised at some of the, the names that might come out. Yeah. 
I wouldn't either. I think, but people have a right to know. I mean, obviously that there, one of the most interesting things about Jeffrey Epstein was no one really knew how he made his money. I mean, if you're, and I don't want to say any names, you know, of famous people, but if you think about, you know, tech billionaires and people in the stock market that own their own firms, you know, that the really recognizable names when they glad hand and then end up making friends with politicians and actors and all these fancy people, Everybody knows how they made their money. Jeffrey Epstein was a mystery because he was a multi-billionaire, but no one had any real idea how he ever got that money in the first place, which adds to the, to the mystery of this. He's got his own island. He's got this thing for young women. Everyone seems to know it. He's always in the tabloid, so on and so forth. But how did he get all this money? You, you typically, as a politician, want to distance yourself from things that could come back to bite you, and it seems that a great many people didn't. Weird stuff. Listen, we'll have Marie on at the very end of the show, too, with a super interesting article. But, you know, look, we're back in just a few. We'll grab Jared Halpert and go through uh, the Trump stuff. Okay? Hang tight. Back in just a few. Well, here we go. The story just it can't go away. We covered it uh, over the last few weeks, and it's an ongoing story. There's over 30 states now. Many uh, of those states have had lawsuits dismissed. But as of Saturday, I think there were still 16, 17 states in the midst of trying to get uh, former President Trump off the ballot for the primary Alaska, Arizona, California, Colorado, Florida, Louisiana, Nevada, New Hampshire. The, the list just goes on and on. A couple of them have already booted it. There's sure to be appeals. Um, we are smart enough to know what we don't know, which is why we get our buddy Jared Halpern here, Fox News correspondent and WJR contributor. Jared, thanks for joining the program this morning. Happy New Year to you. And Happy New Year on an election year now. So excited. Yeah, I mean, you should be. This is what you guys get to do, right? I can't <laughs> what I do, yeah, yeah. <laughs> hey, look, let's bring us up to speed. This is almost impossible to follow because Colorado was obviously the first one to really drop this on any, everybody. Then it got appealed, and for a minute it looked like it was off. Michigan booted it. Where do we stand at this point? And I have some follow-up questions about primary yeah. versus general election. So go, bring us up to speed. Yeah, so well, let's uh, these deal with primary elections, right? Because so much of the planning, as you know, that, that secretaries of state, elections officials have to do is getting ballots set. And there are deadlines for having names on the ballots. And, and especially in states uh, like Colorado and Maine, those Super Tuesday states, um, those deadlines are fast approaching. And so you had groups of, uh, of voters uh, that have been launching these legal challenges in a number of states, dozens of states. Some of them have been quickly dismissed. Others are sort of in various stages of appeal. And it looks like the first one that's really going to come to a head here is in Colorado, because you have had there the Colorado Supreme Court uh, side with those groups of voters say that President uh, Trump cannot appear on the state's primary ballot in March. Um, right. That has already been appealed to the U.S. Supreme Court. Um, the decision was put on hold pending that appeal to the U.S. Supreme Court. And so it will be interesting, I think, to see now how the, the court handles that, because you have state courts now uh, in various states. You mentioned Michigan reached a different conclusion. In Maine, you had the Secretary of State reach a different conclusion. That's going to go through the appellate process at the state level. California, you had the Secretary of State keep Trump on the ballot. And so it certainly raises, I think, the likelihood that the Supreme Court is going to have to provide some sort of guidance here uh, to uh, state officials, because oftentimes, uh, you know, states can kind of do what they would like with elections. Um, mm -hmm. The only time that that really comes into conflict with the Supreme Court with federal law is when you have violations of, of racial impropriety, right? If you're discriminating against uh, voters, that is not allowed. And so that's when you see 
uh, courts come in. Well, this is a case that cites the 14th Amendment of the U.S. Constitution and says that doesn't allow us to put Trump on the ballot. Um, the Supreme Court is probably going to have to interpret that. It has not been this disqualification clause of the 14th Amendment has not been tested before, um, especially in a context like this. Um, it raises questions about what constitutes uh, insurrection or rebellion. Does the conviction have to be part of that? It doesn't say conviction in the uh, in the amendment. It, it says uh, um, engaged in. Um, so, sure. uh, you know, the next step I think is going to be sooner rather than later with the, the Supreme Court, uh, probably this month, deciding what they're going to do with the Colorado case. And in deciding what they do with the Colorado case, does that then set the stage That's for more legal challenges or does that cover it, right? Do they kind of make a ruling that covers all of these other states or not? Right. And Jared, we've seen in our own state of Michigan, them kind of taking the position, look, we have no business telling you who can be on a federal ballot in, in essence. Well, let's take this to the extreme for a minute because much of the WGR listenership is politically charged and they, they understand what they're looking at and they're reading, but there's a great, there's a great many who don't. If we take this to the place where some states can have Trump on the primary ballot and others decide not to, and for whatever reason, that ends up being the case, what would happen in that kind of the analogy version of this, where all of a sudden Trump's not on the Republican side of the, of the primary ballot and people just either make a no vote or they choose you know, somebody else? He could still then show up on the federal general election ballot? He could. And the other thing to keep in mind is primary elections, while uh, the ballots are certified and handled and put together by state officials, the contests themselves are run by by the state parties, um, right? They decide kind of what the value of that primary is as it relates to, to delegates and things like that. So in the case of Colorado, we've already heard from the Colorado Republican Party that has said, listen, if this decision's upheld and they don't let Trump on the the primary ballot, then we're not going to hold a primary. It's not going to count. We'll hold a separate caucus um, to decide. And, uh, and would that even matter? Can, can the GOP candidate or representation in Colorado say, you know, fine, we'll just have our own caucus. We'll put Trump mm -hmm. on there because clearly that's the only one that really is in the running on the GOP side. And then well, come generally. I mean, that, that, yeah. I mean, it's not even saying that he's the only one in the running, but it's giving all of the choices. And it's basically saying that's how we're going to decide which delegates um, you know, go to Milwaukee uh, this summer because that's what primaries are for, right? The primaries sure. caucuses are to. I guess the, the root of the question is almost an oversimplification, Jared. Does it even matter if if a state decides not to put him on the primary, but he'll still show up in the general election ballot? Who cares? Maybe. I mean, I think that there are going to be questions if you don't allow him on the uh, on the primary. That I think would raise questions about whether or not you would then have to allow him on the general. So I think there are going to be implications here for what it means in November. Sure. Aside from Colorado, what are the other hot button states right now? I mean, Maine obviously was just going yeah. through this. What, what's, what are the next two or three that we really should be on the lookout for that may serve as precedent moving forward? I'm not sure you're going to see a lot more. A, a lot of these cases, I think, are going to be on hold. Um, you know, I think courts are going to be. Uh, hesitant to, to jump in on this issue now that you have an appeal to the Supreme Court. Now that the Supreme Court is going to take a look in some form or fashion to this Colorado case, I think you're going to see lower courts maybe hold off and, and defer to see what guidance they get from this high court, from the Supreme Court, based off this, this Colorado case. 
is there certainly seems to be, you know, if you take, if you remove any prior bias or, or fandom for, for Trump or against Trump out of the equation, there certainly is more of an academic case to the insurrection clause than was kind of previously brought up. You're right. There is no conviction there, but there's so much left to interpretation. Is it possible that there still has yet to be made a really good academic argument for why a law from civil war era doesn't apply to this that could sway even the Supreme court to say, you know what, you're right. He shouldn't have done that. Yeah. I mean, I think obviously how the 14th amendment is interpreted by federal judges and by uh, the Supreme Court is going to matter a great deal. I don't think you can dismiss amendments and say, well, but it was written at a different time. That's not, I mean, we don't do that with our amendments, right? Um, I mean, we, we, we apply the Second Amendment and the First Amendment to to technology that, that couldn't even have been conceived by, by the founders, right? That happens all the time. The Fourth Amendment with kind of the way that cell phone records apply, right? It was not something that was conceived when you said you can't look at somebody's, uh, you know, information or enter their home. So I think that that is going to be the question, right? Can what we saw on December, uh, on January 6th of, of 2021 uh, be viewed in the lens of what the authors of, of the amendment meant when, when they talked about insurrection and, and rebellion? I think, you know, you've heard from some of these judges who have said absolutely yes, and you've seen others uh, like in Michigan that have said no. Um, and then you've seen other states that say this has to be a federal issue. This can't be a state issue. Um, so there are a lot of competing legal theories here. Yeah. Jared, thanks for joining the program. Great job, as always. We'll look forward to hearing from some of you on this. We'll have some open times for calls and texts, you know, exiting the hour, 800-859-0957. Was this an insurrection? And should we drop all the political biases out there and reexamine this? To find out. It'll be interesting stuff. Back after a brief few minutes. All right, welcome back into the program. One of the scariest things that we all have to deal with on a regular basis is watching the human trafficking problems, the pedophilia problems, child pornography. This is something that it doesn't seem to go away. And with all the capabilities we have now with AI and a lot of the algorithms that are supposed to get rid of this, the problem seems to get worse continuously with Meta that owns uh, Facebook and Instagram. They're having continuous problems just taking down all these sites that connect folks that are into this kind of thing. Scary stuff indeed. Nick McKinley joins us, former CIA operative, military special operator, air raider, and the CEO of Deliver Fund, an organization that uh, works specifically with these things. Nick, thanks for joining the program. How are you this morning? Uh, great. Uh, happy New Year, and thanks for covering this important topic. Yeah, absolutely. And I'm sure it's not the, the most fun thing you have to do is talk about this stuff all day long, probably every day, but certainly you have a passion for it and, uh, and a background in finding it out. How important is this uh, specific paradigm with Meta that owns Instagram and Facebook with 3 billion plus users on uh, Facebook around the world? What is the real connection there? Is this the, is the, the biggest part of the community that joins these pedophiles together is, is the Facebook arena? And what we see is uh, when we look at the data, especially the data that came from the National Center for Missing Exploited Children, phenomenal organization, they have the best data around this issue. They found that in a five-year period, they had an 846% increase in suspected child trafficking cases. And when you look at what was happening during that five-year period, it what we saw mass adoption of smartphones in the public and the introduction of the Facebook app. 
So we know for a fact that social media and internet connected communications technologies are driving human trafficking, pedophilia, and child trafficking across the United States. Hmm. And this, so this article that I'm commenting on specifically has a lot to do with the, the hashtags as they're called oftentimes and the descriptions that are somehow linking folks together that end up sharing content. So surf, the, the trafficking portion aside, how is it that they're, they're trying so hard with all these task forces and algorithms to, you know, get rid of this nonsense, but it still lives on. I mean, what's the major roadblock in, in finding out who's sharing child pornography and getting rid of it entirely? I think it's really just a lack of will. Uh, if you look at the political speech issues that happened around the last election, uh, I mean, they, they sure seem to be able to turn off political speech that they didn't like rather rapidly uh, sure. to the point that it affected it affected the uh, congressional campaigns and Senate campaigns and presidential campaigns. And so Congress got in front of that and started holding them to account. So if they can detect that kind of political speech, which is very nuanced and constitutionally protected that quickly, then why can't they detect human trafficking and child exploitation material that's coming on their platform at the same rate? I believe that with with AI, they actually can. And I know that because the Deliver Fund, you know, we're primarily a tech organization with some of the largest human trafficking adjacent databases on the planet. And we probably have one one billionth of the budget in technical infrastructure and engineering support that Facebook has. So if we can detect this type of activity just thanks to the generosity of donors, well, it stands to reason that Facebook should be able to do a whole lot more. Yeah, you you would think. We saw the same thing with, with COVID-19. What they deemed misinformation was almost immediately deleted. My brother worked on a task force for a long time that dealt with child crime, and he has said to, to an innumerable amount of people, don't let your kids on Facebook and Instagram. How important is that mindset, especially when you have, you know, teen to, to early teen kids? Or is this the primary method by which they are sucked into some of these environments when it comes to trafficking? Yes, and I would completely agree with your your brother in this case. However, we do have to ask the question, is that realistic to just not allow our children to have anything to do with this? Uh, the, the young teenage girls and preteen girls getting contacted by older men looking for some type of, of you know sexual content is so rampant on these platforms that it's a running joke amongst them. Well, that's a, that's a complete failure of us as a society. And so I think as you know, parents need to have a relationship with their children where their children feel safe bringing uh, this type of material to their, to their attention and actually having a, a discussion around it. But then also we need Congress to step in and produce some regulation for these tech platforms that will help to protect our children. Because with, we've already, they've already proven that without the regulation, they're not going to do it. So it appears that the government's going to have to force their hand. Again, Nick McKinley joining us, CEO of Deliver Funds, really trying to to be a pioneer of stopping the pedophilia and the child trafficking, when, especially when it comes now to Instagram and Facebook. Nick, is there any of these um, other platforms like the formerly Twitter, now known as X, the TikTok, or are some of them less egregious in terms of this environment because they do a better job or all of them are basically susceptible to the same thing. Just Facebook's the biggest. 
they're all susceptible to the same thing. I just think that Facebook, you know, Meta writ large, has such a much larger scale issue that you see it more there. The research that uh, the, the Wall Street Journal reported on did show that Snapchat and, and X actually had a lower uh, predominance of this type of activity, but that doesn't mean that it wasn't there. It just means it wasn't quite as egregious, but it was definitely still there. Yeah. So there's basically communities of people who enjoy trading and transmitting different kinds of, of let's call it child pornography to, to simplify. And somehow or another, they're connected with one another using essentially coded language, so on and so forth. And without the regulators implementing a demand that the purveyors of these services, Meta in particular, come up with a way of knocking these groups out, it, the problem will just continue to metastasize. Absolutely. And it, let's also keep in mind, though, it is not just these pedophiles connecting with each other. It's also them targeting our children. They know that they only have to connect with one, say, 12-year-old girl anywhere in the United States, and then the algorithms are going to immediately start recommending other 12-year-old girls they may know. We've all experienced the, the way that those algorithms work in our personal lives. Well, they work the same exact way for these pedophiles, and so the, the, these predators know that, just to make the math easy and the conversation easy here, that they've got to talk to, say, 100 girls or contact 100 girls to get 50 to actually talk to them, to get 25 to have a meaningful conversation, to get 10 to agree to meet them, to get two to actually show up. And those yeah. two are worth a lot of money to them if they're trafficking them and if they're doing it for personal gratification purposes, then obviously uh, the, those children's lives are, are almost irrevocably Well, Nick, thanks for filling us in on this particular topic. It's a sad thing that we even have to have a discussion, but please continue the good work and, and let us know what we should be demanding of our politicians and our Congress people and those in the Senate uh, to, to give the regulators something to bite their teeth into and make this go away. Thanks again, Nick. Appreciate it. Thanks for covering this. Dave, as you listen to that interview with Nick, we I think we all have the same emotion. And he said something very important there. This is a failure by us as a society. This is crazy town. I, and I want to hear from the listeners. 800-859-0957. As we go into the next segment with open, open lines for calls and texts, has social media outworn its welcome? Are we, are we enabling more harm than we get good from it. We've had that debate, Dave, you and I, several times. Same thing with misinformation when it comes to the elections, when it comes to COVID-19. Certainly, he made a valid point there that how quickly these algorithms, when they want to, can cancel somebody. But they can't find this stuff out? These are our children we're talking about. 800-859-0957. Let's hear from you. Back in a few. Well, I challenge everyone with a couple things there as we, we went into the break. Open phone calls, open text, 800-859-0957. For a couple segments, we want to get to, to you. Two things that uh, were on my mind. One, this, this the Trump off the ballot stuff. I imagine that we'll see an answer to that relatively soon. March 5th is Super Tuesday, and they have to have some of these decisions made pretty soon. So on one hand, do these states have any right to leave him off a ballot for the primary, not for the general election? And, and, and more so, is there an academic case to be made here if you take all of the inherent bias out of it? If you take your personal opinion out, do we need to hold our, our leaders to a, a higher standard? Is there a case to be made that he was out of line 
suggesting that we should fight like hell and so on and so forth. Is there some culpability there? I had two very, very good debates, Dave Rieger, over the holiday season with two academics in my life. Both of them basically thought along the same lines, but one leaned towards, yes, this is absolutely an insurrection coming from a very conservative guy. And the other said, yeah, it is, but I wouldn't, I wouldn't hold him against him. There's just not enough, you know, to convict him, so to speak. Not that he's really up for conviction at this particular point, but this matters a lot to the electorate. And secondly, has the social media stuff just absolutely created more harm than good. And that last conversation with our friend Nick is so concerning to hear about when you, when you hear him say out loud what's happening, have we created something that's it's fun? You can send somebody a picture of your dinner and you can set up the next picnic and you can have a, you know, a group that can advocate for something or rally for something. And there's very good things with social media, but has it also in the, in the tail end 